0: They do have a timeout. The the with a-
1: Yeah. The aftermath of games three and four and the Warriors protected home court.
0: What a donation
1: to another episode of the Catch and Dubs podcast. We're your host. I'm Ethan. And I am joined my duo, my splash bro, and my co host, Zach. Uh, my guy, um, as of starting this recording, uh, we're like what an hour or so past game four aftermath. So, um, how did you exactly feel after game four?
0: 42 minutes, 42 minutes ago. Um, how did I feel? What after was your reaction four? Yeah, how are you that feeling? Was, that was nerve wracking, anxiety inducing, stress inducing um in a game that the warriors should not have won. I agree with that. I I need, I need to make that clear. If the warriors lost that game, you could have made a I think you could have made a considerable argument saying that the grizzlies would have could have could have and may have won on to win this series and the warriors would look back at that game as a as a game that lost them this series. But that did not. That was not the case. Um, Steph had 14 points in the fourth quarter. I'm sure, I think 18. But uh, 18. we'll get into that. We'll get into game four later. 18, but um, yeah, I I think they did what they needed to do. It wasn't a pretty win. Two wins at home. They, now they have a three-one series lead, and now hopefully they finish it off on uh, Wednesday, and they meet the opponent in the western conference finals which we do not know who that is as that series is tied at two so
1: yeah um yeah like you said it was nerve-wracking i was like heated i was pretty heated that whole game like it was really ugly we'll get into game four but it was just really ugly um the start off game three um it was kind of like that breakout shooting performance that we were all waiting for right after games 1 and 2 after like that sloppy performance game 2 where it's where it's a 7 to 37 three point shooting um you would think that the warriors would bounce back and they did so i think they shot like 23s or something um in game 3 they had 142 points which is the most ever by warriors playoff team um it was just everything's going the way um, of the Warriors shooting-wise, offensively. Um, obviously, everyone was hot. Everyone got their shots off. I do want to talk about one thing, though. I do want to talk about Memphis's narrative of uh, Jordan Poole yanking uh, John Morant's knee. Um,
0: oh, dear God. We're going to get yeah, we're getting into
1: this. quick. Yeah. Oh, geez, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um,
1: what do you think of that whole narrative being brought up by Taylor Jenkins? Um, who's the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies. What do you think about that? I
0: I don't like it. I I just don't. I I, I just don't understand it either. If you really look at that play, Jordan Poole did not do – he could not have done significant damage to John Morant's knee that was a pure basketball play and pure instinctual play of trying to grab the basketball as John Morant is being double-teamed by Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. It's pure instinctual play. And the fact that Taylor Jenkins had the audacity to go in front of the media and not even answer one question. But the first thing he says is that he hopes the league looks at that and reviews that personally. This series has been hijacked by both teams saying what plays dirty, what plays not. Rightfully, I mean the the GP two play that was dirty. Draymond's play, yeah, you can make a consider, you can make an argument that Draymond shouldn't have done that, but it was not it was not worthy of an ejection. I think I I just don't understand why he needed to say that. I think partly is because they're trying to distract the distract away from the fact that Dylan Brooks was suspended for that. I, it was a purely instinctual basketball play. I'm just going to keep it at that. And it was stupid to say that Jordan Poole should be suspended for grabbing at John Moran's knee. Yeah, it's total BS in my opinion. Also, too, I don't even think Jaw
1: even hurt his knee there. It was a play, I think, in the third quarter. Clay pump faked, and John Morant bumped his right knee into him. So that right there, I think that was the play right there. Uh, You saw John Morant uh, (laughs) tweet out the whole "broke the
0: code" thing, and he deleted that. I mean, Uh, that I, I see. There's 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 a difference. There's a difference between all this Steve Kerr played in the nineties. Taylor Jenkins did not. John Morant did not. Steve Kerr knows what it's like to get a hard foul. Breaking the code is when. Was when a guy is going up for a layup like GP two was and Dylan Brooks going over, clotheslining him and slapping his head and having his hand nowhere near the ball that is breaking the code breaking the code is not jordan Poole accidentally grabbing some john Morant's it wasn't even knee. a grab it was it like a even, like a
1: little tap
0: it was it was like i don't even know how to describe it it was maybe a little tug to try to get the ball there's no way that jordan Poole by himself by doing that did any damage to john Morant's knee that is that is impossible
1: Also, too, as a nursing student, uh, I don't think it's even possible to have that enough force to, like, injure a patellar tendon or something. It's really impossible, (laughs) but hey... Uh, Memphis can create all their narratives and all that well just it, it, but-
0: it, it, it was the same thing the same thing happened after after the end of the game tonight Taylor Jenkins said that he is curious to see what the last two minute report will say <laughs> on the draymond green contest on con- contest on jaron Jackson jr's late three Jenkins felt the three might have been a little rushed but that there was contact you can look at that play all you want draymond Green got all ball I'm going to keep it
1: he did. He did. It was an awesome play.
0: That is a play that a defensive player of the year caliber player makes, and that is what Draymond made. He got all ball. There was no foul at all. It. it I just.
1: I know it's crazy, huh?
0: It, it, I just don't like how this series has been hijacked about trying to tell the me trying to dictate to the media that all these narratives about who's dirty, who's not. That was a hard refs, That's not refs and all that refs and all that BS. This was a very good game. One was an awesome start to this series. And then it was hijacked ever since the Dylan Brooks incident. And now just, man, I was just looking forward to two great teams playing basketball, but me too. Me too. Um,
1: I do want to back it up a little bit before we get into game four. Um, Steve Kerr went with Jonathan Kaminga as a starter. Um, He's the youngest player to ever start in a playoff game. Um, What did you think of him starting off games three and four? Um, What did you think how he did on the court?
0: He looks inexperienced out there. He looks a little bit lost. Um, Who I would replace him with is Otto Porter Jr. Otto Porter Jr. 100%. Yeah, at some point. He saved game four. Yeah, at some points in game four, he single-handedly carried the Warriors' and rallied the Warriors. There were two clutch three-pointers again in the fourth quarter to spark a little bit of a rally. Um, he's been remarkable this series. So is Andrew Wiggins, other than Andrew Wiggins not even hitting close to the rim. to uh, It was the it, airmail three. Yeah, with <laughs> a wide-open three-pointer at the top of the key uh, to tie the game. But, you know, Andrew Wiggins really gave me flashbacks to the playing game. But Wiggins, <laughs> Wiggs has been great all series long. Um, I'm still a little bit worried about clay. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's just that play that sticks out to me in the fourth quarter where he's coming off the screen and he's going out for a layup and Kyle Anderson easily blocks that. It just seems like he showed a little bit of lack of awareness with defenders around him and he's just been shooting poorly ever since game one, it seems like.
1: Um, yeah, since we're getting to game four, I do want to talk, like we saw in touch about Klay Thompson. Um, like you said, he hasn't been doing well. I feel like he's been forcing it too much. Um, he went six to 20 in game four In game three, he bounced back a little bit, but you can tell that his game is more of like contested twos or like dribble pull-ups. That's not really his game. Uh, we're kind of seeing how like the first month or so when Clay was coming back into the rotation where he was forcing a ton of shots and we're trying, we're kind of seeing it now, right now. And I totally get what, you know, Clay's feeling like it's been three years, you know, hasn't been in the floor. He was left off the top 75 list and, you know, Clay's thinking, Oh man, I have to show them like, Oh, you left me off this list. I'm going to show him, you know, and, um, I mean, it's not falling for him. Uh, he's just forcing it too much. We saw in game two, I think where, There was, like, uh, five possessions or so where he just shot up, like, contested twos. And it kind of happened here in game four where he just took questionable shots, um, really wasn't keeping the ball moving, hijacking the offense a little bit. And it kind of makes me wonder a little bit, like, what's what's it going to take for Clay to, like, settle down and, like, not let his, not ego, but, like, his shooting woes start to like trickle down because it's kind of starting to get a little ridiculous at this point. I love clay, but I feel like his um
0: forcing of the issue is gonna cost games. Um I, I just don't like how when he's shooting poorly he just chucks and chucks oh and I chucks agree and chucks. He just needs to find the open man and let Steph and Jordan Poole just initiate because there's some, there's just, and we saw it during the regular season. Is that when he isn't feeling hot, he just chucks, and it's nonstop. It's like watching Dylan Brooks chuck threes out there all night. And Dylan Brooks, you could make. I'm not going to go into that. Never mind. We'll keep going on clay.
1: But. Okay. Um. Yeah. That was mostly the whole clay point. But like that, that kind of mindset could cost Warriors games, and it has in game two. Not trying to knock Clay down, but it's just observations. That's what some people in Warriors Twitter or Warriors fans think. It's just, hey, if it's not your night, pass it up. No need to force the issue. Just keep the ball moving and play Warriors offense. You'll get your open shots. You'll get your, um, you'll get your turn. You get your fire or something, <laughs> fireball or something. Um, but to start off Game Four, um, I don't know what's up with these Warriors. Poor first quarter starts, but like this can't keep happening every single game. If these slow first quarter starts happen every single game, we're gonna lose every single time because in a tight playoff game, you can't start off shooting like 20% from the field or like 30%. You can't do that. You have to go guns blazing. I didn't feel like the energy was there because this team started off 0 of 15 from three to start the game. Um, Zach, I mean, what do you think's the problem with the first quarter Warriors? I feel like it's just... It's serious
0: it? basketball is what it is. Draymond's throwing the ball all over the court. Steph's being careless with the ball. It's just too many careless mistakes that they can easily fix that they just don't. Um, I think there's an excuse for tonight. Yeah. Um, Uh, the the, there it just felt like that there was a lid on the rim most of the night. There were like nothing was falling, no matter who it was. Um, but you could also—I'm not trying to be that guy, but let's say uh,
1: we're we're open, we're transparent on the podcast. So, uh, let it rip.
0: Steve Kerr tested positive, so and Mike Brown's coaching, and I mean there could be some sort of angst or not knowing uncertainty with Mike Brown coaching, even though he's coached the Warriors before when Steve Kerr was out in 2017. I mean, that could have been a possibility of why they started off slow, but it just, it, even in game three, they were down eight to two at one point. Um, no, they were down it, like
1: 16 or something down to like 10 I think or that, something.
0: I, I think when I turned the game off at one point in game three, it was 22 to 12. So, it, I mean, it's just been nonstop. Game one, they started slow, they were down. Game two, it was the same thing. Even if you, it, it, if you look at the Nuggets series,
1: if you look at the Nuggets series, too, they start off pretty slow. Um I, I I don't get it. Like too many turnovers, too many careless passes, too much fouling, and it's just like stagnant offense that the Warriors are not accustomed to. It makes the Warriors guardable, it makes them easy to defend, and it's not not sustainable every single time. Like I said before, slow first quarter start is gonna kill this team a hundred percent of the time.
0: But but thank that, God you, you do that against a team like the Bucks in the finals, you will get blown out of the building and ran out of the building with how I mean Chris Middleton's not playing, but I mean with the way it's the Bucks, Giannis onto the Kumbo. Yeah, Giannis is just gonna which is my worry with the warriors and how they have no one who can really guard Giannis. I think I can trust Draymond, but I think Giannis can have his way with the warriors. If the warriors get to that and the bucks are their opponent in the finals, but I'm not going to go there right now. We're not going to jinx anything. So no, we're not. They got, they have, they have five more wins before getting to that point. So yeah.
1: Um, I want to start off more, uh, Otto Porter jr. Um, he was basically the MVP of this game. Um, I know his shots weren't falling in the Denver series, but it was going to happen at some point where he was going to regress to the mean. Uh, Otto really saved what it could have been like the worst game ever in the playoffs, even worse than probably the 31-point lead blown or something. I think at one point he went, Otto Porter went 4-6 or something from three, and the rest of the team was like like two or something to like 26 or something that was probably exaggerated but that was what it felt like um auto really helped like stopped memphis from gaining momentum in the fourth there was a point where oh they're up 10 or something and auto hits back to back threes to put them back put them back four. um
0: i know you i see you laughing there zach uh What's funny? No, it's just—it just Skip Bayless. He makes me laugh. i, I just—he's talking about how Steph really sold that fourth quarter, that down the stretch call where he flopped a little bit. That—that uh, that, <laughs> Steph really—he did, he di, he did embellish on that. That was not a foul, but I mean, he sold it, and the Warriors he did. got the call. So that's all that matters. I mean. That's smart. That's smart gamesmanship right there by Mister Th- Mister Curry. Oh yeah,
1: um, I know I said my thing on Otto. Um, Zach, if you want to say anything about Otto, and then we can talk about Steph after.
0: Uh, Otto Porter Jr. should start. Otto Porter Jr. Um, at some points in this game helped the war, uh, helped the Warriors on the stretch, and I think you could make a consideration that he was the Warriors' best player tonight. You could also put Andrew Wiggins, who had 17 points and 10 rebounds. Andrew Wiggins has been dominant on the glass all series long. Um, I guess all postseason long. Um, But on Wednesday, I would like to see a starting lineup of Steph, Clay, Wiggs, Otto Porter Jr., and Draymond. Or you put Otto at the 5? I would put him at the 4, though. I think no, it would
1: go Steph Clay, Steph Clay Wiggs, Otto, uh, Dre.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, I think that would—that's how it would work. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, that's that's the starting lineup for Game Five if they're really serious well, about I,
0: it. What, yeah, one thing I am surprised about is how the Warriors have stayed um, consistent on defense without GP two. I think G, losing GP two, I was worried that there'd be. Lack of defensive awareness, they wouldn't be as uh, tuned in on defense. But it's down the stretch, they really pressed the Grizzlies, um, which is why they got the win. Because, I mean, I think Jaron Jackson could have gotten a better look if he passed it. But, I mean, Draymond played incredible defense, which is why the Warriors won the game. And I think – I don't know where I was going with that, but, you know. Um Draymond won the game.
1: He did, but it basically showed the Grizzlies inexperience. Um, like you said, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. took a shot that he could have gotten a better look. You look at, I don't know, like a couple minutes beforehand, Dylan Brooks shooting a three when you're up one or I think one or or two points. Like you don't need to take that shot when you're up. Um, but Dylan Brooks just had to be Kobe or something. Um, but I do want to talk about Steph. Um, I don't know. Sometimes Steph irritates me because he hesitates on an open three or like he does that, that dumb hesitation shot with his, with his, with his feet or something. And it, you can tell already it's not going to go in if he hesitates. I just don't know why what's up with him. But besides that point, um, Steph was clutch in the fourth quarter. No, no doubt about it. Obviously he had his clutch free throws, it's but
0: changes the shoe. change. It, changed it, his did. Shoes. it did. It did. <laughs> <laughs> changed his shoes. That's what happened. It's the shoe change. He got he he put the secret stuff in that in the shoe. Um it's the shoe change, man. He, he yeah. shot well on those shoes in game three. And he changed the he changed the shoes at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and then he had a fourth quarter master class. It's the shoe yeah. change. He's done it before. Yeah. Didn't he change his – didn't when he – in game six in 2019 against the Rockets, he – when he had zero points at halftime, he changed his shoes? Had- I actually don't know. I don't know if that was a thing. I'm going to but- say it is. No, I'm not going to say it is, but that could have been a shoe change too. Special things happen with Steph changes his shoes, man. Yeah, and he had 14 points through three quarters. Um, things were looking
1: a little bleak at that point, but Steph said, hey – I have to take control of this game. We can't go to, we can't tie this series up and um, go to Memphis where we have to at least win one. Um, he knew what the agenda was. He knew what the stakes were and he capitalized but on all. I need to
0: give my flowers to Andrew Wiggins. He has been tremendous defensively. 100%. There's- the, the down the fourth quarter when they were, I believe they were down three, and the Grizz and they needed a stop. They weren't, they couldn't get a stop. And Andrew Wait, Dylan Brooks was driving down the lane. Granted, it's Dylan Brooks on offense, so um, it's his he, apology game. But he was driving down the lane, and Andrew Wiggins came up with a key block, and he kept it from going out of bounds and flicked it back up, which led to a Warriors tying the game. I'm sure, I think. But he's just been tremendous all series long, all postseason long. On the glass, it, you would think with the Warriors' lack of size that they would be getting out-rebounded by a wide margin, but no, the Warriors are, have been sticking with it with the Nuggets, who had an a extreme advantage on the glass in regards to size. is same with the Grizzlies. Tremendous for Andrew Wiggins. Give him his flyers. I mean, he's not playing, playing like he gets paid $33 million a year, but... He's doing
1: the dirty work. That's what I'm seeing.
0: He's doing the dirty work. And he, I mean, with how much money the Warriors made in revenue this year, there's a chance that they could be they could bring everyone back and and, and Jordan Poole could get that max deal. Joe Lacobbe knows what he's doing here. So yeah, he's light years ahead. He is light years ahead. I think it was 200. I'm not going to make the exact number, but it was a lot of money that they uh, brought into revenue. No wonder why the ticket prices are up. That's why
1: <laughs> it's like two, it's like $30 for a beer or something. It's something ridiculous like that. Um, but um, last thing I do want to talk about another adjustment that the Grizzlies made was uh, having Steven Adams start in game four. Uh, did you think that had something to do with the awful game that the Warriors played today? Uh, repeat. Uh, Steven Adams, right? So he had the yeah. nod in game four. Uh, started as an adjustment. Do you think him starting caused problems for the Warriors and led to that awful start for the Warriors?
0: Yeah, because I think he dominates the glass. Um, and I think he's a better defender than Brandon Clark or Jaron Jackson Jr., which I think helps the Grizzlies. I think he helps them defensively. And I think, it's, I think seriously, you can make a considerable argument that the series could be... 2-2 maybe if Steven Adams was in the, it, was playing this whole series. I don't think he would have made a considerable impact, but he would have given the Warriors problems, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, especially with the Warriors' lack of size, obviously. Yep. Uh, paint pressure is literally going to be one problem of the Warriors throughout this whole postseason. And um, Steven Adams probably may have won them. I, they probably would have won game one if Stephen Adams was there. Probably, I think. Who knows? But that's an also what if. You can't really.
0: Yeah, i just like to point out what Charles Barkley said on Inside the NBA, which I think is important that he says that the Grizzlies have been fighting uphill ever since they lost game one. And I think I partly agree with that because I think when the Warriors – when Draymond got ejected, I didn't think that the Warriors were going to get win game one, even though it was close at halftime. I I didn't think that they were going to win game one. And the fact that the Warriors fought to stay in that game and ended up winning that game, the Grizzlies lost a game that they should have won with arguably without the Warriors, one of their best player who is – What's the phrase? Heart and soul of that team. Exactly. Yeah. I, saying, I agree. I, think, I agree with I you. I think they could have seriously had a chance to be up 2-0 in this series. I agree with you because when you're when you lose as a higher seed on home
1: court and you're going you're tied 1-1 going into hostile territory for two games, I mean. I know. It just proves, it
0: just proves yeah. home court isn't a factor in this series. If you lose, yeah, if you lose game one, and that's and that's the same. That's the thing that the Warriors will have to deal with if they play the Mavs, and that the, because they're the higher seed, that if they lose game one or game two at home, home court doesn't matter anymore because. You, doesn't. You might lose games three and four, basically. Exactly, but the, whole, the home court to the Warriors matters currently because they can still close this get, close this out in game six on Friday at home if they lose game five. Um, it all depends on
1: John Morant's status, obviously. Exactly. And I think I think I think, oh, I
0: think John Morant is one hell of a player, and he's really tough. I'm not going to call him a kid because he's older than me. I'm sure. But he is one tough guy, and I think he plays game five no matter what. So um, I'm caught. Con- I wasn't 100% sure because I, I agree with you. He's a tough kid. But
1: obviously, Mem- that's Memphis's cornerstone right there. You don't want to risk injury um, like an ACL or something, especially it's a knee problem, especially with John Morant's history of knee issues. You don't want to push it too much, especially when you're already down one and i know the whole 3-1 jokes and all that we get it but it's it's um it's a hard cl- it's a hard hill to climb every team who's been down 3-1 knows that it's a really difficult hill to climb yeah i've um,
0: experienced the warriors blowing that yeah it's tough yeah warriors on both sides of that yeah so um but yeah, the exactly thing is, 2016 yeah. they came down from three one in the Western Conference finals, and next series later they blew a three one series lead It's just uh, what happens in sports anything can happen you have to ex- expect the unexpected
1: yeah um hundred percent but the thing is though, I think it John Morant's status really dependent on the outcome of this game. if the Warriors lost this game and went two two I think John Morant plays. Um, but since the Warriors won this game and they're up 3-1, I don't think John Morant plays. Um, you save you save the health of John Morant. I mean, he's your future user franchise. You look at it as a great season for Memphis and say, hey, um, we don't want to risk injury. You don't want to risk um, hurting John more. Um, you just have to say next season when we get better players, when we get more experience as a team, that's when we can go for it because this, uh, to be honest, the Grizzlies are a great team. They're just young, inexperienced, and they just need They'll more time back. to grow. They'll be yeah. back.
0: They'll be back. Yeah, They're they not just going need, anywhere. They,
1: they just, just need time to grow.
0: It's really giving me some sort of 2013 Warriors Spurs type of vibes where the Warriors, I wouldn't say that because the Warriors were a six seed, and they beat a three-seed Nuggets, even though the Grizzlies were a two-seed. But I'm just saying that the Grizzlies are a young, scrappy team who will be back in this position, like the Warriors 100%. were. So we'll wrap it up, right? We'll wrap it yeah, up. Right? Um, yeah, uh, last thing before we wrap it
1: up, um, breaking news, obviously. If you guys didn't know, um, social media, Mike Brown is the head coach of the Kings, if y'all did not know that. Congrats um, to
0: Mike. I love him.
1: Yeah, great pickup for the Kings. Um, Kings. just a little quick, little quick, uh, 30 seconds or so about it. But, um, who do you think is going to fill that assisted
0: coaching role? Luke Wallen's going to be welcomed back to, with open arms. That's my guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wallen, I honestly see. was at the game on game three. So I think he, I think he's getting back. Welcome back to the open arms. I think Kenny Atkinson will stay. I think Ron Adams will stay. Um, I'm. Mean, I think Andre
1: Andre goes to a coaching role. Honestly,
0: yeah, I think. I mean, Sean Lemmingston is in our front office role. So, uh, but, congrats to Mike Brown. Um, the Kings do what the Kings do. Uh, go after Warriors coaching staff once again. Uh, hire another Warriors assistant coach. Hopefully, Mike will pan out for the Kings. I like Luke um, Walton. Sorry, Luke. Luke One was in a bad position. Let me give you that. Well, I yeah. mean, he coached for that. That I'm not gonna bring up any dirt on the Lakers, but he coached for that uh, franchise down south from Southern California for a couple of years. <laughs> uh who, by the way, aren't in the playoffs, so we don't need to really talk about them. Let no playoffs. <laughs> uh, but that'll conclude episode number eighty eight. The Catching Dubs podcast. Uh, make sure you uh check us out on the gram at Catching Dubs Pod and on Twitter at Dubs Pod. And uh, Game five, Wednesday night, Warriors Grizzlies, back in Memphis. Can the Warriors close it out? They should. They it. should. Hopefully, they do. So, catching the next one.